Hello and welcome to The Northern Connection, a podcast all about books. So in each episode, we chat to writers about their inspirations and their favourite books with a Northern Connection. This episode is hosted by myself, Emma, along with Jules, Rebecca and Rachel. And we catch up with Orla Owen to talk about her latest book, Christ on a Bike. So welcome to the Northern Connection, Orla. Can you please tell us a little bit about your latest book, Christ on a Bike? Sure. So um, Christ on the Bike is the story of a character called Keris who gets an unexpected inheritance. But there are some rules attached to the inheritance which make it much more complicated than she sort of first anticipated. And um, one of those, one of the main rules is that she can't share it. So that causes tension with her sister and it starts to make her feel a bit paranoid about life and the things going on around her. Can you tell us how you came up for the, with the idea for the book? Yeah, I'd, I had the idea of an open coffin for a long time, uh, of someone sort of getting in, basically someone getting an inheritance where there was no emotional attachment. They had nothing to do with the person. So therefore it was more of a gift, but then that would sort of be quite a dull story, I suppose. So it was, um, what would, what could I do that would contrast with that, that would make it really difficult for the character. And then I'd always, I'd had a few false starts with it where I couldn't get the voice right. And I'd tried different settings and they just weren't very good. And then, um, I've always wanted, I love West Wales. My husband's Welsh. And I'd always wanted to set a book there. And I particularly love um, the church that's described within it is in a place called Munt and it's real. And I'd always, I found that a really powerful place. And uh, so I just sort of started writing with her there and on the beach and things. And it just all came together. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, and I just went for it. I have to say, after reading it, it does make me want to... Um, if I was out walking somewhere and saw a little church, that it makes me want to go in and put my name in a book just, yeah. <laughs> just in case. Hedgey bets. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so in as you've hinted at, the um, Keris gets all this inheritance, but there are quite a lot of rules attached. Do you think you could live by those rules in exchange for the money? Um. I think everyone would think they could, wouldn't they? Because they seem quite simple, don't they? It's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Um, I think I could if, uh, you know, the older you get, the more you sort of or I sort of realise that people are the most important thing, aren't they? So um, I think if I could have family and friends there, if I could have friends visiting every week and then sit there and write books, yeah, happy as Larry, I think, Um but places can be quite lonely if you're far from everyone else, can't they? So you have to think carefully. Yeah, I think yeah, I did think in the beginning when we learned about Keris's inheritance, um, I was very envious of, envious of her, thinking that I could go and just read all the books that I wanted and live by the sea and you've got your income and you don't have to worry about money and things. But... Yeah, it quickly became um, obvious that there was a more sinister side to it. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I probably wrote my dream, didn't I? Oh, I've got this big house that's near the sea. I've got loads of chocolate, loads of hand cream, really nice bathroom. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, sorted, you know. But um, yeah, then life gets complicated, yeah. The tricky relationships between sisters seem to be a theme in Pat and in Christ on a Bike. What drew you to explore this? Yeah, that's interesting. Do you know, I hadn't thought of them as being a theme, but... Um, I guess it's just, oh, it wasn't sort of planned, I suppose. With Christ on a Bike, it was important they had no other relatives. I suppose it's the isolation and, and a relationship is more intense if it's just between two of them. Um, and in The Lost Thumb, for example, when it's two sisters who are very close. So, yeah, I suppose it was that. And if there had been more supportive relatives around, it might have eased their situation and I didn't, that's what I didn't need to happen. I needed it to be very intense and focused uh, for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's something sort of I, that struck me and it's because I don't have a sister. I think, uh, do you have a sister, Orla? I do, yeah. I've got a sister and a brother. Do you have yeah. brothers? I have two brothers, you see, and I think yeah. maybe the relationship is very different, but I'm, I'm, I know you guys have all got sisters haven't you I just wonder if it if it is more of like a slightly competitive relationship or um I don't feel I've got a competitive one with mine but I think I think in this story it was probably um although there's a bit slight age gap between them it was more that their lives it was less their relationship more that their well they were sisters but their lives were in very different places so one had responsibilities one didn't one that that was one of the key things that caused sort of angst between them I think there's that comparison isn't there when I think when your siblings of the same sex I think there can be a comparison between how your lives have panned out and you know, particularly if your lives are very different, that, you know, one of you's got children and the other one hasn't, one of you's married, the other one isn't, you know, they, they and that, that kind of came across really. And, and I think it came across that both of them wanted pieces of the other one's life. Yeah, yeah, which people can do a lot, can't they? Grass is always greener or, mm. but it's just, usually that's just moments, isn't it? It's a thought that passes through and it doesn't necessarily mean that much, but with these guys, with with Keris and Seren, it just they become more and more obsessed with it, or Seren especially. I think with my sister, like we're really supportive of each other and really proud of each other of what we've each achieved, and we, we do have very different lives. Like what Rachel's just said, my um, sister is married with three daughters, and I'm single and have no children. Um, but it's that element of in your book that she cannot share the inheritance. And I think if I were to, if we put it the same way as Keris and Seren are, if I was to come into that inheritance and was unable to share it with my sister, I can understand where those um, difficulties had then come in. It would be hard. Yeah, because whenever you imagine... I don't know, I, if you play the lottery or anything, or you're on the train to work or this, that and the other, you think, oh, I would give them this and I'd pay their mortgages off and I'd do this and I'd do that. And you have, you know, have a whole list of things that, that you, really that you can help people, can't, you know, make, make people smile, like giving the best Christmas present ever. So to get that and then be told you can't and your only answer is, no, they've told me I can't, 
well that would you know causes huge problems yeah absolutely yeah um so this is your your third novel to publish and your previous two were self-published um but uh, blue moose has published christ on a bike what's the main difference um that you've noticed between self-publishing and working with a publisher um i think it works on sort of two levels for me personally the difference was validation and um when i got the call saying uh, they were offering me a contract it was honestly one of the best days of my life you know i've spent a long time working to get here and i published the other two in order to try and create some luck and to see you know i was told often oh your books are quite strange they're quite weird they all went full manuscript with agents but it would be like we're just not sure how to place it so actually when i was at breton one of the things they did they'd say, go and create your own theatre companies, go and, you know, create something original and go out there and put it out there and see how it goes. So this was sort of taking that and running with it when I self-published. So to to get the contract, the validation, my confidence, just, I, it was probably the first day I started actually going, if someone said to me, what do you do? I'd go, I'm a writer. And, you know, I'd sort of mumble it before and go, oh, well, I sort of do this as well as my job and this, that and the other, even though I did it a lot and did it for a long time and got really good reviews and feedback and things. But um, the day I got the contract, everything changed. And and for the book, um, well, A, I got to work with Lynn, which was lovely. And um, there was no sort of structural edits, but there was a lot of, there was snipping. And it was just really lovely to have someone to talk about it with because the Lost Thumb and Pa, I did them all on my own. So it was lovely to go, oh, yeah this scene and this line and whatever and it was all very gentle I really enjoyed it it wasn't um any sort of manic intense thing and also then Kevin's brilliant at um you know getting the books in bookshops so I've had the best few weeks seeing it in Waterstones Piccadilly Trafalgar Square with the launch literally just going each week different news where I'm just going ah this is amazing (laughs) you know and um so just buzzing from it, really. So, yeah, I think I think that was the difference. It's it's been incredible. I love it, and it's been really good. Yeah. Has um has pre publication been a lot different this time than with you know the proofs going out and maybe a, a bit more talking on social media pre publication wise or yeah I think I think the Blue Moose name has is really respected so you have a lot of bookshops i had a friend who knows someone who runs a bookshop and they immediately went oh it's a blue moose book yeah i love them yeah i'll read it and now they've gone yeah i think come and do an event so as soon as they hear it's blue moose there's a respect for it and yeah it's opened it's opened it all up it's completely changed things you know it's um and i just feel more confident too so i'm much more able to go this is my book it's with them you know let's do this or do you want me to come and do an event and things so um yeah yeah so talking about events you're obviously on your book tour at the moment how are you enjoying that I love it I love it (laughs) I really do I am I did the first one in Trafalgar Square on Thursday and I I'm not gonna lie I got really nervous beforehand and uh, I got to Victoria and I thought oh, I could just stay here couldn't I <laughs> and, but I knew I didn't want to but I was just suddenly slightly overwhelmed you know and then as soon as we got out there and we're in front of the audience and stuff I just you know 
yeah, I just, I love it. I love meeting people and I like chatting about the book. I don't mind getting up in front of people and I'm starting to relax into the readings a bit more. So yeah, it's great. It's good. It's tiring as well when you do a few, you know, because you build up your energy to sort of go out and be sort of positive and do it. But yeah, I really love it. Thanks. It must be great chatting to readers. And have you had a few people come along that had already read it? Yes. Yeah, there was quite a few on Thursday. So there were good questions. And also the bookshop owners, you know, they're amazing. And um, and that's a real boost. You go, oh, my God, you, you run a bookshop and you like it. That's really cool, you know. And so, um, you know, Stephen at Waterloo Trafalgar Square was just so lovely and, and so... Um, bubbly and and you were just you fed off that you know it was fantastic so even though christ on a bike has only just been published i'm going to assume that you're already working on something else and if so can you tell us a little bit about it yeah i'm working on two books so the way i work i'm always working on a number of books at a time but i'll put them away for six months and work on another one so um I had a really I knew things were going to get really busy now and I had a really I'd always planned a sequel to Christ on a bike and then I had a really strong idea for it last uh sort of summer um August time so September October so the last sort of four months before Christmas I worked really hard um just getting that out and getting all that sort of the thoughts on that and that yeah it's just about a very very rough first draft written but the ending's not right and then I've also got another book I'm working on which is on second draft which is um it's about a character a girl you see her at slightly different ages when she's younger and um, she has a notebook and whenever anyone slights her she sort of if she they really annoy her she writes them down their name down and then when she's an adult she goes to seek revenge so another another light-hearted joyous little number for you (laughs) that sounds really intriguing (laughs) oh good how long how long does it normally take you to write a novel from from nothing on the page to finished to finished a couple of years so because i would do a first draft i would aim to I would try and get done in around four months, but very rough, you know. And I will always spend about another year and a half on it. And But I will put it away for, say, three months at a time, come back to it, cut, 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 tighten, 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 work through it. it uh, and that's when I really work on the rhythm and the pace and trying to get the energy of it right. And then throwing in lighter bits because it's always often quite intense you know so I try and go okay ease up a bit there you know and um yeah and until I'm at the point and it can take longer um until I'm at the point where I'm literally deleting a comma and putting it back again and that's when I go okay I'm ready to show this now yeah um yeah and are you able to tell us what you're currently reading or do you read for research when you're in the midst of doing a new novel? No, I I don't read for research. Um, I'm reading and I've written it down because I've literally just started it. You know, I, I must say, because the book I've just finished, which Jules recommended, was Hello Beautiful by oh. Anne Napolitino. Uh, and uh, that was amazing. 
and Twitter again recommended one the other week, and it's called Little Monsters by Adrian Brodeur, and I I'm not I might not be pronouncing that right. I hadn't heard of it, and someone, a writer I really like, just said, oh, this is an amazing book. So you just, I do that a lot now. I go, oh, wow, well, if you like it, I'll try it, and I'm really loving it. Yeah, so that's what I'm reading at the moment. Fabulous. Um, could you recommend a book or an author with a Northern connection? Yeah. Can I please recommend two? <laughs> yeah, of course. They are. Yeah. I'm going to recommend two because they're quite, they're actually both Blue Moose books, but that's my main Northern connection. Mm-hmm. The first one is very much Northern and it's Sports and, Sports and Social by Kevin Boniface. And that's um, short stories. They're very droll, gentle, sort of, I think you'd all love them. They're just fabulous. I literally just bought it as a friend present for a friend last week and another friend as well because it's they're quite different as well so I think they're really good and the other book again I had to check pronunciation of a name it's Chopin in Kentucky and it's by Elizabeth Heikul Beck and that is a beautiful story about a small town in America and it's a little girl there and her imaginary friend is Chopin and she talks to him and she gets really excited because the ballet are coming to town. But it's not quite the ballet company she imagines. But she starts trying to learn ballet and it's just joyous. And I think she's not a, sort of the, as a writer on social media stuff. So I think it's it's got not lost, but unless someone told you about it, you wouldn't know about it. And I just think it's fantastic. So, yeah, I'd like to recommend those, please. Thank you. And they're both Blue Moose. They are, they um, are, which is yeah. I've you know. not heard of them, but like you know, you just said about the way that the brand is trusted. I I love Blue Moose books, and I love when I open them and they've got little Blue Moose inside. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, that isn't it? Because mm. yeah, my friends say some of them haven't heard of them. You know, I've yeah. found them out through Twitter because I've not um got an independent bookstore near us, and um yeah, everyone always says, "Oh, I love the little logo when you open it and being bright blue," and it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Thank you. And finally, Orla, could you read us an extract from Christ on the Bike? I can. I found a bit, so it's one minute. So um, I'll do that now. So I'm just going to lead in slightly. You've got a character called Keris, who is just in a church in Wales. And um, she's in there on her own. And that's how it starts. <clears throat> She stood still and looked up at the wondrous stained glass window above the altar she loved. The altar that made everyone gasp when they saw it. Good Welsh slate. A good Welsh slate altar, that's what her dad used to say, and that's what she'd come for. She needed to touch it, to feel the cold, smooth stone beneath her palms, to see if it channeled her mother and her father the innocence before the bad thing happened, which she never usually wallowed in, but today she'd let herself think about it. The death of Gwen had made her feel like it was the right time to indulge in some sadness. It was as if the planet was all-powerful around her, and she was merely on it, a fool to think she was ever in charge of her own destiny. She needed to embrace the altar, but in front of it, between her and it, was a metal stand that wasn't usually there. And on top of that sat an open coffin. 
Amazing, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cue EastEnders music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking actually that we haven't mentioned the character that is actually the title of the book. Uh-huh, yeah. So did did that element of the of it come later or was that a character who you always knew would be in there or do you know it came yeah it came later because um christ on a bike my husband's welsh is a phrase he would use a bit like oh for god's sake you know christ on a bike and get you know get your shoes on kids and all that sort of thing and um so originally i just wanted to use the phrase because i love it and um but then i thought okay if if let's play around with it because maybe that's the only thing people would be expecting so let's take it literally and then it provided some really strong visuals as well so um and then it provided a really handy sort of plot device so yeah it was lucky <laughs> and i love i love the title i think it's great thank you yeah no i'm that's never changed from day one so yeah it's always been called that and that's quite unusual, isn't it, I think? Because titles get played around with a lot. Yeah. Um, Mine don't change too much. I've got a couple of others I really like. I'm not telling you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think they can get changed. I've, I, I guess it, people want to. So, yeah, it depends what they are. I'm always quite careful. I mean, I think of a title and then I will check that no other book is called that before I get that stuck in my head, you know. Yeah. Do yours change, Rachel? Um, yeah, I'm pretty rubbish at titles. I very, very rarely start out with a title. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't tend to start with a title. I definitely start with a character. Yeah. And work from a character rather than a title. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not convinced. I've actually um, even got now got the right title, even though I'm sort of on point where I'm sending mine out to beta readers. I, I'm still not sure it's the right title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I start with characters and, and voice, definitely. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to work out. I think maybe I get a title and it focuses me a bit. But, um, yeah, it's potluck, isn't it, if you can think of one or not, I think. Yeah. I'm always jealous of people who are good at titles, though. Ah, you'll think of one. You'll you'll think of the right one. You'll you'll be in the middle of somewhere when you totally don't expect it. And do you not get? Do you sometimes have when you're writing it the words will come to you? It'll be a phrase because the sequel I didn't have a title actually. And then I was doing a scene in it that I really liked. It was really strong, and there was four words in it. And I went, ah, brilliant! That's the title of the book, and that's what it's called now. <laughs> so maybe that'll happen. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we're really, really excited and hope that this one does amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for having me. It's really lovely to see you all. Uh, yeah, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We now have a Northern Connection page on bookshop.org. And there you'll find the books that we uh, talk about in each episode, along with books recommended by us and by authors we chat to. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or X at NorthernConPod. And we're on Instagram, The Northern Connection. We'll be back soon with another episode. Bye for now.